welcome to Creekside Church. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, we just have a couple of an announcements uh, before we get going. You know, this is a really exciting morning as we have, uh, I believe, nine individuals being baptized uh, to show uh, their allegiance to Jesus Christ. And so we are really excited for that this morning. Um, you know, just a, a couple things to, to take note of. Uh, in just a minute, we're going to pass the offering. But first, uh, next week, um, we are going to start a new series on the book of 1 John. So we're really excited about that, a new series beginning. And then also, I know it seems early to think about Christmas, but we are going to do Operation uh, Christmas Child again, the shoe boxes. Uh, I think there are some things set up today. You can stop by and see Carrie McLaren. Uh, and next week, she will share a few more details about that. But the Operation Christmas Child, uh, we will be beginning uh, next week. So before we pass the offering, uh, let's just bow our heads and commit our time to the Lord. Father, uh, we are thankful for the opportunity to gather together to sing praise to you, uh, to remember Jesus, our Savior. Um, we are so excited for those who are wanting to share that they are disciples of Jesus, that they are followers of Christ, that they have put their faith and their hope in him for salvation, and they, and they want others to know about it. Um, may you just bless this morning and encourage our hearts. It's in your name we pray. This is my song, praising my Savior. All right, welcome to Creekside Church. We're just glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. We know that uh, some of you are guests, but if you're here and you're a first-time visitor and like you didn't know even what was going on here, I just want to say to you that uh, there is in the seat in front of you underneath the seat there's a little card if you would mind wouldn't mind filling that out and uh, putting it leaving it at guest central on your way out we'd sure appreciate it uh, we'd have a record of your being here and we're just grateful for family and friends who came to witness this uh, this baptism i need to pray to kind of get my uh, focus so i'm going to ask you to join me as we pray father a beautiful day and as I was reading this morning, this is the day that the Lord has made. Uh, let us rejoice and be glad in it. May you speak to us through all that happens in this service, and may you receive from us worship that is in spirit and in truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I was on a mission team and a short-term mission trip and my youngest daughter Shara was with us and we were on the night we were to fly back home been a long trip we were hot we were tired we got back to our hotel room all we wanted to do was take a nice hot shower go to bed because we weren't going to be able to sleep for very long and we had to be up and at the airport like it we had to be there at 4 30 in the morning so it was like oh wow so we got back to the hotel and my daughter went in she took a shower first she came out and she goes dad i would have been done a lot sooner but that was really a weird shower well yeah it was weird it was a shower that was different than any shower she'd ever been in in her life 
she walked into the shower and on the hardware of the shower there's this horizontal bar and you have to twist the bar to set the temperature for the shower in degrees Celsius. And then there's a separate button you have to push for, to get the water to come out of the shower head. But you push the button and the water doesn't come out continuously. The water only comes out for a certain amount of time. And then you have to push the button again. And then the water, and then you have to push the button again. And the water, you have to push the button again. It was weird. But when she said, Dad, that was a weird shower, she meant that was bad. That was not good. That was wrong. And I would just like to stand here and say that, you know, different is not necessarily wrong. Weird is not necessarily wrong. Usually we think weird or different is wrong because we don't understand what is different. And as I uh, have opportunity to be involved in cross-cultural things, it is a reminder to me always that what is different is not bad. It's just different, and I just don't understand it. So this morning, as we engage in this baptism by immersion, for some of you, it's like, that's weird. You know, I mean, people in public getting soaking wet for everybody watching. I mean, that's kind of an odd thing if you think about it. But we didn't invent it. And as Bible people, we just try to do what the Bible says. As Bible people, we just try to follow what, what God's Word tells us is due. This is different than many of you, if you have any kind of church background, have seen the sprinkling of an infant. It's a lot different. I was sprinkled as an infant don't have any recollection of the thing at all. But my parents and grandparents and people there, they were there. So this morning, what I thought it'd be helpful to do is just kind of answer some questions that you might have about baptism. Now, I'm not going to open it up. I'm going to give you the questions that I think you might be asking. And uh, if you have other ones, I'd be glad to try to entertain those after the service so that we can understand what is different so that we don't necessarily assume that it's weird. And wrong. So this morning, first of all, I want to answer the question from the scriptures, why do we even baptize people? Well, that's a short answer. In Matthew 28, verse 19, in the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus commanded the, the disciples and the church to baptize people. Okay, that's the, that's the easy one. So if a person is a professing Christian, someone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, to be obedient is to be baptized. That's just this natural step of obedience for that person. And so if I know that the Lord says, you shall not steal, and I confess to my brother, I'm a, I'm a kleptomaniac, you know, I just, I just steal all the time. Kind of go, well, I don't know, what's this Jesus thing in your life? Maybe, maybe there's a disconnect there. Second question is, uh, who do we baptize? You know, there's going to be uh, several people getting wet. So I told one of the elders, uh, who's kind of having a pool party here today. You know, it's kind of like a pool party. Now, I'm not trying to make light of baptism, okay? Seriously. I, I, I just, uh, maybe I shouldn't have gone there, but a little levity, uh, and maybe I shouldn't. But who, do we, who gets wet anyway? 
Well, the answer to the question, I want you to look at Acts chapter 8, verse 12. We're going to uh, uh, try to put that up on the screen. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were ba being baptized, men and women alike. When they believed, then they were being baptized. Acts chapter 18, verse 8. It says, In Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. So, it's our understanding of the Scriptures, now not just based on those two passages of Scripture, but all of the New Testament references that we know of, that it's belief and then baptism. So, believers are baptized. Peter's response to the people who were asking him questions after his great day of Pentecost sermon now, see, water is commended, commanded, and observed in the New Testament only for those who are trusting in Christ as their Savior. So when you see these people up here and they're going into the water, they're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I've accepted that His death and resurrection, He paid the price for my sins, and I'm trusting in that and that alone for my salvation. Peter's Day of Pentecost sermon, they ask him a question. What must we do? He's telling them about Jesus Christ who came and died and rose again and His death paid the sacrifice that they deserved to pay. And they said, they were convicted. And they said, what must we do? And He said, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. You, you believe and then you're baptized. The, the proper visible expression of genuine trust or faith in Jesus Christ is baptism. The proper visible expression of my residence in Polk County would be to have a Polk County license plate. Somebody came up to me the other day and they said, do you, do you, have, a, do you have a vehicle from Buena Vista County? And I said, yeah, because there aren't too many of those in the parking lot, you know. And it's like, well, your, your door's open, you know, unlocked. It's like, well... I need to get a Polk County license plate. That's a visible manifestation expression that I am a resident of Polk County. But here we have, they said, then, then you could go, I would invite you sometime. I'm not going to take the time to read the entire text, but I'm going to turn to uh, Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, if you have your Bibles, you could turn there. I would invite you to do that. A story about the... Paul and Silas are in jail for preaching the gospel. And at midnight, they're singing hymns and songs, and then an angel Lord comes and, and rescues them out of, the, out of the prison. Actually, their chains fall off, and the jailer freaks out. Verse 27 of Acts chapter 16, And when the jailer had been roused out of sleep and had seen the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. Here's... Paul's answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, 
you and your household. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It means to understand that I'm a person who is on a trajectory contrary to God. Through my active rebellion and my passive indifference, I've really basically told God, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, thanks, I'm okay. Now you know what? That's every one of us are born in that. And at some point in our life, the Spirit of God awakens within us a realization that I'm headed in the wrong path and that I need to accept what Jesus did as the payment for my sins because He died in my place to pay the price that I deserve to pay. And this jailer, you say, well, how does that have? He just wanted to be saved from not being killed by the Romans. Well, yeah, that's true. But what we didn't read was earlier in Acts chapter 16, the story of Lydia who in the town of Philippi had, had come to faith in Jesus. So the, the Philippian jailer wasn't ignorant of all this message about Jesus. And I don't want you to be ignorant about it either because Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. We need to per- turn from our sins and trust in Jesus and we believe and then we are saved. So what's happening here today has nothing to do with bringing these people into the kingdom of God. They're saved by faith. They're saved by faith. What does the baptism have to do with it? You see, if we read down the rest of the text, in verse 34, uh, that it says, And he brought them into his house, that's Paul and Silas, and set food before them, and rejoicing greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. He He believed, he was baptized, he and his whole household, because they had believed. Belief proceeds baptism. Belief precedes baptism. Therefore, baptism does not save anybody from their sins. For by grace you have been saved through faith, Paul says. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. The salvation, the faith, everything, the grace is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so nobody can boast. Nobody's up here saying, oh, look at me. I'm a good Joe. I'm a good Joe, you know, and so I deserve to go to heaven. No. We are wretched, sinful, wicked people who deserve condemnation, but by the grace of God, He has given us this free gift of salvation through His Son, Jesus. Belief before baptism. So, who's baptized? Those who profess faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. One is saved from their sin and made right with God only through faith in Jesus. So, i just stop right now. Where are you at? You're on the road to rebellion? Or have you turned and trusted Jesus and His death as a payment for your sins? It's the only way to be delivered from our sin and know we have purpose. Know that we have pardon. Know that we have peace. Know that we have a direction. Is through faith in Jesus Christ. So, why do we baptize? God commanded it. Who do we baptize? Believers. Belief before baptism. Thirdly, what does baptism do anyway? So why do it? Take your Bibles and turn to Romans uh, chapter 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and Romans. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, beginning with verse 3, Paul says this, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized have been baptized into Christ's death? 
We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death, we shall certainly be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing that our old self has been crucified, that the body of sin might be destroyed. A couple weeks ago, Kyle was preaching, and he talked about the fact that if you're trusting in Jesus, you're, you're delivered from the penalty of sin. Sin's penalty, the wrath of God, no longer rests upon those who believe. And it eventually, in glory, we're delivered from the presence of sin. But right now, we have to, we're in a messed up state. You know, we kill struggle going back and forth. This text tells us we're delivered from the power of sin. Believers are delivered from the penalty of sin, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Believers will be delivered from the presence of sin in glory. And in the meantime, we struggle and battle and do this thing in the flesh, but we have power through the Spirit who dwells within us. That's what he says. Knowing this, that the body of sin has been destroyed, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. The first thing that happens, the first accomplishment of baptism is that it pictures our participation in God's promise of salvation. It's a picture. So when you see these people going into the water of baptism, just think it's a picture. Paul is speaking in the passage that we read. Paul is speaking about spiritual baptism as depicted by water baptism. I have been taken down into the waters, which is a picture of my union with Christ in His death. It says, having been baptized into His death. That's why when you go down into the water, it's a picture of their spiritual union with Christ in His death. It says, having become united with Him in the likeness of His death. So that's going down into the water. When they come up out of the water, the text in Romans tells us that as Christ was raised from the dead... We shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. We are raised up physically as a picture of what happens to us spiritually. We have new life in Christ. And as those who have new life in Christ, we are dead to the power of sin. We should live in the power of the Spirit and we should walk in the power of the Spirit. That's why Colossians 3 verse 1, Paul says, Since then you have been raised up with Christ, Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We're supposed to keep seeking those things. So the challenge for the believer is that, okay, when I'm, I'm baptizing, then I'm, I'm showing the world that I have identified spiritually with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. It's a picture of what's true spiritually inside. It's an outward invisible sign of a spiritual reality in our heart, internal and spiritual reality. How many have been to a wedding? Been to a wedding? I mean, viewed one. Maybe you've been in one. Maybe you've actually been married, but you've been to a wedding, okay? Big deal now. Uh, they, there's all these kind of ceremonies that people go through to try to show that they're union. You know, used to be the unity candle. That was a big thing, you know. The couples would come. There'd be candle here lit, candle here lit, candle in the middle not lit. They go up there. They extinguish. They light the candle here, and then they blow this candle out to symbolize they're becoming one. So when they lit that candle, did that make them one? No. But it certainly was a picture 
of what they intended in their hearts that they would become one. When these people go into the waters of baptism, it's a picture of what's spiritually true internally in their hearts. Secondly, baptism is a public proclamation of their participation in God's promise. It's a public proclamation. First of all, it is this, this picture of their participation. Secondly, it's a public proclamation. They're standing up to the world and saying, hey, I'm one of those Jesus people. I'm a follower of Christ. The other day I was uh, driving in Urbandale and there were a bunch of young kids and old kids and people running along, you know, and they're police officers and they had their lights out and they were protecting everybody. I go, I stopped and I said, what's going on? He said, oh, we're having a run for the badge, you know, a support the police department thing. Everybody who was out there running was uh, declaring their public participation and support for the Urbandale Police Department. Some of you are audacious enough to buy license plates that support your favorite sports team. You're declaring your public participation in support of that team. Why would a Christian be afraid to declare their public support for the person and the work of Jesus? That's what we're doing. That's what these people are doing. They're declaring their... their... From the day of Pentecost on, it has been the symbol that you are a child of God to get wet. Okay? That's just the way it is. The early church knew nothing of an unbaptized Christian. It's just that how you, that's how you marked yourself out as distinguished and distinct from the world that I'm a follower of Jesus. When these people get baptized, they're Facebook official Christians, okay? It's just like, it's just Facebook official. So it's just like, it's, it's, it's a done deal. I am a follower of Jesus. That's what they're saying. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said this, um, that if you, everyone who, who confess me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. These people are declaring, I'm not denying Jesus before the world. I'm not denying Jesus before the world. We're not declaring. They're not declaring they're perfect people. Huh. They're declaring that they're pardoned people. And finally, baptism pictures our being washed of our sins. You know, they go down into the water, they come up out of the water. You know, we typically take of water and getting all wet with taking a bath or going swimming. So it's a picture in Titus chapter 3, the washing of regeneration by the Word. It's a picture that they have been cleansed. It doesn't cleanse them. It's not cleansing them of their sins. It's a picture that they have been cleansed. Our oldest daughter, Janae, was spending some time in, a, in another country. And she was in a host home. And in the host home, it was the host home's practice uh, to take the, 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 the same rag that you used to wipe the floor to wash the dishes. My contention is that when they washed the dishes, it was only a symbolic cleansing. What happens here is a picture, a symbol of their having been cleansed. It doesn't cleanse them. Baptism is for believers. Baptism is a picture of their participation in the work 
of Jesus Christ spiritually. Baptism is a proclamation that they are a child of God. And baptism is a picture that they have been washed clean of their sins. And so I say to you, if you're here as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed to declare before the world that you are a child of God? As a believer, there is a challenge here for us to live out, as Paul said, knowing this, that the, the body of sin has been destroyed, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. I'm challenged. Am I living? I've been baptized. I've been baptized twice. I was sprinkled and dunked, both. Okay, so. But am I living it out? I've declared to the world I'm a Christian, but is the Lord ashamed of me? It's a challenge. And for those who are unbelievers, how would you witness here? What you witness is these people in a Christian community declaring to the world we are followers of Jesus Christ. And if you feel the Spirit of God tugging on your heart as these people share what God has done in their heart, then maybe it's the Spirit of God saying, you know what? I'm calling your name. And are you going to run? Or are you going to turn from your sin and are you going to trust in my Son, Jesus Christ, and His death as the payment for your sin? And you can be cleansed and pardoned and have peace and purpose and perspective in life. I'm going to ask our candidates to come up and take a seat. They're going to go down one by one and share their testimony of what it means to them to be a follower of Jesus. And when they get done, then they're going to sneak out that back door and then we're going to get them wet. And uh, we're going to celebrate with them what God has done. Now, some of these young people, their their parents are going to read their testimonies. Others are just going to read it themselves. Just find a chair. It doesn't matter. Uh, Jillian, your dad's coming, honey. He's right behind you. Okay, you just go over here, hon. I got uh, some open chairs here. All right? So you just sit back, listen, and enjoy what God has in store for you. Hi, my name is Rose. Um, I was raised as a Catholic, and I was baptized as a baby. I attended church every Sunday, and I went to Catholic grade school and high school. I believed in God, and I knew facts about him, but there was no real personal relationship. There was a big disconnect between knowing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day to really understanding that he died on the cross for me and that by doing that, I was assured of eternal salvation. And this beautiful gift was mine for the asking. My sweet older brother, John, became a Christian as a freshman when he went to Iowa State University, and he joined Campus Crusade for Christ. John led me to Christ, and I accepted Jesus into my life as my personal Savior when I was 18 years old. John caught on fire for the Lord. He uh, left Iowa State. He moved to Columbus, Ohio. He started evangelizing. Ultimately, he went to Chile and became a missionary, really, uh, and and continues and and, and was faithful and continues to this day to have Spanish Bible studies in, in Iowa State. 
I really took a different path, really different. After I was saved, I knew I was going to go to heaven, but I was not spiritual, and I continued to act like I wasn't saved, uh, like people of the world. I let God save me, but I did not let God change me. Last month, I stumbled into this church. I was at a very, very low ebb in my life. But I had been at very low ebbs in my life many, many times. So I don't know why this time. I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I can't explain it. But it was the beginning of a fresh start for me, and, and it, it, the feeling of coming home. Not coming home to this church, but coming home to the Lord. Coming home to my heavenly Father, Abba. And my heart, which was really battered, and bruised, and it was hard-hearted like a rock. You know, all this love, was, nothing was penetrating it. It was just shut down, just starting to soften and open and, and being able to absorb God's love. So my relationship, it's new. Not on his side, because he knew me before I was born, but on my side. I feel like I'm in first grade, but I'm excited and I'm learning. I'm hopeful and I'm grateful. I want to know the Lord and I want to have a deep, meaningful, personal relationship. I'm grateful to this church and, and to Pastor Steve for, for your prayers and support and kindness. Thank you. Ashlyn's a little bit shy, so she wrote her testimony. These are her words, and I'm going to read them. Um, <clears throat> Ashlyn's nine years old, and she wrote this, and then she typed it herself, too, so I could read it. I decided to trust Jesus because I know I'm not good enough without him, and I want to show others that I trust in him and know his sacrifice for us. I've come to faith in him because I've gone to church as long as I can remember, and I learned about him there. Because I trusted Christ, and I'm trying to follow him more, I've been trying to serve others first more often. I asked him into my heart one night while I was laying in bed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever <clears throat> believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I believe and trust in Christ. Ashton, I just want to ask you a couple questions so people can hear your voice, okay? <laughs> so, do you love Jesus? Yes. Have you trusted him for your um, salvation? Yes. Thank you. Um, my name is Kiera. I've been coming to this church since seventh grade, probably. Yeah, seventh grade. Um, I've never lived a life without Christ. 
I grew up going to church, and I have always felt his presence spiritually, but I never surrendered to him out of my need to be in control. Um, and for those who know me, um, out of the six of us, I'm known to be the mom. I try to control absolutely everything. Um, the thought of putting my faith in someone I have never met scared me. I'd put other people's problems and needs before my own because I didn't want to face the fact that I was broken and that the only thing that could fix me was God. On August 24, 2016, I gave Christ full control of my life. I found out that I was pregnant. I remember asking why God would allow this, why me? On that day, I think I prayed and read uh, more scripture than I ever have in my life. I cried as I thanked Christ for giving his life up for me. That day I had experienced God's unconditional love and I was overwhelmed. Christ's love for me has carried me through many journeys, bringing my daughter into this world and marrying the love of my life and learning my purpose and has also helped me through my biggest heartbreaks. His forgiveness has provided comfort and strength and has made me want to live a life completely devoted to him, even if it meant I would not be in control. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered, suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. This verse is... The, the foundation I have built my new relationship with Christ on because his love and sacrifice for me is all I'll ever need when I feel like I'm not enough. I am enough because of him. Hi, my name is Luke. Uh, I started coming here about four years ago. Um, I, I have lived a life with a hole for too many years. I thought it needed to be filled by money, sports, and relationships, but the only relationship I needed was, was one with God. My relationship with God didn't start until later in my life. I was brought to youth group here while I was going through the loss of both of my grandmothers. But in a dark time of loss, the only one that could heal me was Christ. Christ's forgiveness changed everything for me. It changed the way I thought of the future gave me long-standing hope that can't be broken, and it gave me my beautiful daughter and brought me to trust and marry the love of my life. I am ready to start a new life as a child of God. I know that I am a sinner and that I needed Jesus as my Savior. I asked the Lord to forgive my sins to be saved. I wanted to be baptized because I want other people to know that I am saved. In John 14:6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I've got one that's a little shy, too. This is Benjamin Klein. He's seven. He um, gave us these words. He said, I've been saved, and I've been really eager to be baptized. Saved means to repent of your sin. Repenting is like being sorry, apologizing for the things you've done that are sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross. That was our punishment for our sins, so we wouldn't have to be punished. Then he said, it is finished. 
A song I like is, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. You want to sing it? No. <laughs> Part of it says, He came from heaven to earth to show the way, from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Baptism means you are a believer and you always trust in God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Acts 16, 31. This is Levi Johnson. He's nine and he's going to read it or am I going to read it? Okay. I'm getting baptized because I believe in the Lord Jesus as my only savior and no other gods or mystical creatures. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and all of yours. I hope when I get married I choose the right woman so I can tell my kids about the Lord. The verse that always comes to mind is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I love you all. Good morning. I'm Ryan Carter. Um, Jesus has been my Savior since childhood. Uh, don't ask me for specifics about when I got saved because I can't remember them. Um, but recently... He's been pressing me by his Holy Spirit to surrender to him as Lord. Um, like you've heard before, it's, it's really hard to give up control to God sometimes. And he can be your savior, but you still want to be in control. So this baptism represents my identification with Christ and that he is the sole source of my salvation. And this act is to obey his word and recognize him as Lord in addition to savior of my life. My name is Ron Carter, and um, I want to say amen to um, what Brother Steve said up here about um, the being baptized twice. Uh, I, I'm, I want to make that known because I've been saved ever since 1985, and I don't want my brother in here thinking that I've been disobedient all these years by getting baptized so late in my life. So, But I, I do understand what it's about, and... Um, I could just say that maybe the possibility is I just didn't get wet enough the first time because I was sprinkled with water too. So, But my real desire is that um, likewise what Steve said that I say the end to is that it's a public confession and um, I want to confess them before the world and um, even though you're my brethren in Christ. Um, You've been taken out of this world, but we're still in this world, so I hope this counts as a confession. Um, but anyway, my desire is my desire this to be true about me, that he that has begun a good work in me will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1, 6.